And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Good uh, Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Apple. Uh, Thumper, we're going to have a great program today. We've got uh, some new guests and a couple of guests that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jeff Wright is going to be talking with us with his son, Alex, and we're going to be talking about cryptocurrencies. But I also, this is a, a real treat, uh, Alan Toes. And uh, Cash Amadi uh, from Load are going to be on, and we're going to be talking about real sound money uh, cryptocurrency. We're going to be talking about something that is a really, really good new idea in a program. And I'm a I'm a, a Load fan and an investor. I will preface this whole uh, program by saying that I am not recommending specifically investments, but I will tell you, uh, we are facing a CBDC cashless society that is being programmed and planned as we speak. We've done a number of programs on this with uh, Kent Lewis and others talking about how they plan to bring in this cashless society that is pinned to a social credit system and if you don't happen to have the right political beliefs or you don't happen to have the right uh, suck up, you're going to be in trouble because the fact is, is that uh, the whole system is going to be 100% dependent on them giving you credit. And we need to get away from that. We're going to be talking about ways to do that today. Jeff, uh, great to see you, my friend. Uh, Jeff Wright who I met some years ago uh, up in Montana. He was a speaker up there. He had a uh, uh, a book that is a, a dynamite book, and I recommend it to people. It's, uh, it's uh, called, and I'm going to get the name right here. It's easy. A Citizen's Last Stand. Are you ready? And uh, that book was uh, really an uh, excellent read for me. It introduced me to Jeff, and I got a chance to visit with him a little bit up in Montana. He's been our guest before because Jeff is a former 
uh, a cryptologist with the U.S. Navy. He's a tech uh, analyst system engineer for NSG, NSA, uh, engineering management at Air Force Base Command. Uh, and he's been a senior and chief consulting engineer for Bell Labs. This guy really knows his stuff, and he has been involved in the technology for three decades, four decades, and all I can say is I know no one that I'd rather talk about this stuff with and have the other guests that we've got involved, and that would be uh, Ian Toes from the... Uh, uh, load project, and also Cash Amati, who is a, uh, I guess he's involved in a lot of the technology stuff, and we're going to be talking about how we can get around the new cashless society. So with that said, um, first of all, Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you, my friend. I'm, gl I'm glad to see you here, and I understand your son Alex is going to be with us as well. Yeah, very good to see you again, Dan. And it's been it's been a while, and it's uh, it's good to be back with you and talk about this subject. There's a lot going on now, obviously, and things are uh, are moving really fast. But I think uh, the basic themes from from the that I put in the book uh, almost a decade or a, a decade ago now have pretty much come to fruition, and just keep moving to more and more. Uh, chaos as the uh, as the days go by. So um, it's good that, I, like I said, it's good that we have a chance to kind of uh, do a, a level set here to see where we're at and where we're going. Uh, my son's here today. Number one, if he can get the other machine working, um, uh, should should be on shortly. He he brings kind of a uh, a different generational perspective to these things. Mm -hmm. And because uh, he's uh, uh, obviously was raised in uh, in my house. And and so he has he has a lot of the same perspectives, but yet he has a very different take on how things um, how things are going to evolve out uh, from a different generation standpoint, how they uh, how they see things. But um, it's the most interesting thing to me is um, that the analysis from 10 years ago still stands up pretty well uh, against the events that have transpired and particularly in just the last two years um, and, and, and how we're, we're going to proceed into this. So there's, this, is such a, this is such a large topic and has so many interconnected elements to it. Um, I, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what the other guests uh, have as input uh, to to this theme and where we can kind of take this to give folks some idea as to what we may be experiencing over the next year or so as things unravel. Well, obviously, we have to have some options available because what they're intending, what they're planning, and you wrote about this in your book. Uh, so you're right. It's been over a decade ago. I'm not sure, but I, I, uh, it, it's amazing how time flies. But you were talking then about how we were moving into transitioning into the banking system that we see happening today. And of course, you had the benefit of the 2008-2009 
crash, and it really was a crash, although they kicked, the, I don't know how they, they did it, <clears throat> but they managed to kick the can uh, one more time. But boy, that can is one heavy dude by now um, because it's uh, it got a mountain of uh, dollars inside of it that are uh, worthless, basically, at the point we're at right now. Anyway, this is going to be a good discussion. Um, Ian, you and I have never talked before, uh, or cash for that matter. I've worked uh, with Tom Halipatz, and I yeah. uh, worked with um, uh, Nick uh, Pruden, uh, or Prouden, I'm not sure how Prouden. his name is. Nick Prouden, yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. um, he, he was an excellent representative, but I'm the sure more is. that yeah. this starts to evolve, the more excited I am about the load pro project. And uh, we're so excited about it that my wife and I have both uh, invested some money into the program because it looks like a possibility of a, an option where we can have the best of both worlds. We can move into a blockchain technology and use of something that, frankly, I don't know there's any way around it at this point. Uh, it, it's too far. The cat's out of the bag. But now trying to figure out a way that we can pin that to something that we know will always have value. And that has been the precious metals complex. Yeah, hundred percent, Dan, and thank you for uh, having us on the show today. Really appreciate it. Uh, um, Tom speaks extremely highly of you, and uh, we're following your show. So, uh, anything we can do to, you know, help your audience uh, appreciate uh, sort of the uh, the spirit behind the load project and what its intended purpose really is. Um, you know, you could honestly say that it's it's not our grandfather's silver and gold system, but it is a way to keep track of silver as it circulates uh, on the internet, and it is a efficient way for people to, um, to you know, to monetize themselves uh, out of the banking system and to take back liberty and freedom using Web three technology and decentralization. Uh, so um, we're, we're pretty excited about what it is. Uh, Bearing in mind that we're all big advocates for stacking and holding on to physical, but there's, you know, at some point there's only so much physical you can carry with you. And uh, to have a little bit of a, a silver in your phone uh, attached to some technology that makes it possible to settle trades very quickly is really at the heart of the system. Restoring it to the monetary system is really um, the the intention and 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 the mandate behind the project and and we really do believe that silver and gold are going to play an important role in the financial system of the future and we believe that young people should have access to some of that in their phone because that's where they're going to be doing all their transactions and so that's uh that's really the use case for blockchain because of its uh, powerful ledger technology keep it's a you know it can keep track of grams of silver to infinity Right, exactly. Well, and you know, I'm I'm 73 years old, so the technology that goes into the blockchain stuff is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I've had a, a really, really steer, a steep learning curve over the last couple of years, but I am uh, learning a lot about it. And the fact is, it is the way of the future, and that's kind of why I wanted to have 
Jeff on with his son, Alex, because his son, Alex, is of the generation now that's going to be either making this work and successful or uh, falling down uh, flat on their face. And I don't think they're going to fall down. I, I think they're going to be able to make it successful, but it is going to take an incredible amount of monitoring and working within the system to make sure that they don't uh, they don't hijack it because the Fed already is intended to hijack it. Uh, just so people understand, the um, Federal Reserve and the and the central bankers of the world have spent billions of dollars on blockchain technology trying to figure out a way they can unlock it and really put their hands on it and control it. And hopefully what we're going to be talking about today is going to be, no, they're not going to be able to control this. We're going to do something outside of the system that uses the technology but doesn't uh, allow us to be slaves of the state. So that's where we're headed. Uh, Jeff, our... Uh, are, are you or Alex? Um, I, I see that Alex is on the uh, couch there in your room. I, I just want to make sure we've got you, first of all, uh, talking about the the new crypto, uh, the whole regime of crypto and how it all works, because you really are experts on that. And uh, so please uh, enter the conversation and talk about what blockchain technology is, how it got started, how it has progressed, and how you see the the uh, good and the bad and the ugly of it uh, so that we can get all these dynamics in play uh, during this discussion. Absolutely. Uh, hi, Dan. Uh, can, can you hear me all right? Yeah, sure can. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just, uh, I'm kind of swiveling between, I brought my laptop over and I just got him a new PC. So we're swiveling between the, uh, the two computers where we're at. Mm -hmm. So we're in the same room and whatnot, but, uh, well, it's nice to meet you. Um, uh, and everybody here, uh, thanks for the invite today. Uh, I, it's funny you mentioned, uh, the ups and downs. We have kind of been talking back and forth for months now about, uh, the crypto markets and, uh, you know, what, what's going on after the large, the, the last large downturn, um, that happened where a lot of people lost a lot of money um, because they didn't really understand what they were getting into in the first place. Um, but yeah, no, it, like my dad said, um, it has, you know, growing up under the, the tutelage of, uh, you know, my father and others, uh, just, you know, around, uh, you know, Colorado and then here in Idaho, um, you know, I, I am more a, a tech oriented guy, so to speak. Um, I've been around in the industry for quite a while, at least 22, three, almost 23 years now. Um, so my, you know, my really kind of just having me sit back and just see what's happening, um, just due to my uh, general overall life and, uh, technology. And over the last 20 years, I have, I've seen a drastic and, uh, you know, unparalleled change. Like we, we went from a, a society in the eighties, um, to, to now, um, uh, in such a short period of time and just what we're able to do right now. I mean, I, we're all located across the entire world and the, uh, and, you know, we're able to have high definition, uh, you know, uh, back and forth conversations and for a large chunk of the world prior to the 1950s, that was literal science fiction. And now 
now and uh, ever since you know i would consider uh, we're in the future now right we're in 2023 so uh these days when you talk about blockchain and technology and uh the you know how that intersects with the government and the state and taxes and uh, you know everything there's would we had kind of talked about this earlier is just kind of uh, a, a lot of these things it seems are interconnected um, to attack one one portion of the cycle uh, w- without understanding a large a, a much larger view of how not only the technology works but to what ends and uh, for for why it uh, why it works and how it works um, there's there's a lot of there, there's a lot involved uh, because it's uh, it's kind of a global thing I mean just the uh, you know you could go from literal digging in the earth to being able to connect the dots. And uh, for all of us sitting around the United States or elsewhere right now, and uh, you know, and it's kind of uh, when you talk about blockchain, you talk about uh, you know virtual currencies and money, which have you know been around for quite some time, even prior to the advent of uh, you know of um, Bitcoin in general. Uh, we just give it a different name. It's called the Federal Reserve. Um, the Federal Reserve is exactly the very first crypto virtual currency. Um, as soon as they uh, basically got a hold of the printing presses, they realized that uh, you know they can do whatever they want. And so Bitcoin to me is kind of something that uh, takes a little bit of that power away from them. And and it, to to the extent of the uh, it does decentralize um, the ability for the government to have a dictation in what you do in your day to day life. Um, so yeah, I, honestly, I could go on for hours about this entire topic because it, it truly is you know uh, cyclical. It does kind of happen in circles. And, you know, after 20, you know, I, I do remember in 2012 when his, he, when his book came out, there were a lot of people were, who had, they were not talking about this at all. And, and, and yeah, after, after seeing everything, you know, over the, you happen over the last decade or, you know, so, or so, and then some, um, I feel as if like, I'm part of a weird type of generation. I was born in 86, um, but I remember Clinton being in office and, you know, from there, you know, having, uh, when, when, uh, cause time for the time for me does start in nine 11. Cause I, but I remember my dad going back and forth and traveling to Manhattan all the time because he was working in New York and, and formulating what eventually became the book. And, it, and it, it's interesting because every time. Uh, now for the last easily for the last five or six years there are multiple times where it's like yeah yep right there and it, to the point of it's like oh wow a little eerie to, to, it's like okay i'm not going to say my dad's nostradamus but it's really hard to deny the fact that uh that you know he he's been right more often than he's been wrong and so uh, that's from what my standpoint it's like yeah i i feel as if so i have to kind of on my side of the world kind of, you know, expand upon that as much as I can, because it does become, you know, especially living up in Idaho, you know, we're, we're remote up here and it's great because, but, you know, at the same time, we are not bound by what's going on on the outside. So. Well, that's right. Actually, as long as you've got uh, communication, you've got electricity um, and, and the ability to get uh, internet, the whole world has changed. I moved, I bought a ranch in Montana 
and uh, moved to Montana in 19, well, we bought the ranch in 94, moved there in 96. And I ran a business in uh, Golden, Colorado, uh, remotely from that ranch in Montana. I had uh, uh, 30 people working for me in Colorado, and I could literally run the, uh, the, the estimating and the bidding program on my commercial construction business uh, from you know with uh, with my slippers and my pajamas on from my uh, ranch in Montana from my office there, and I did, and I managed it that way for quite a few years. I ultimately I've I'm sold out of the business now. My partner uh, took over. And, you know, I've, I've been out of the business now for about five or six years, but for a long time, I was able to be involved uh, from 800 miles away, and it was a piece of cake because I had good internet, and I, you know, I had the ability to do it. This is the virtual world that we're living in today. And if we do it the right way, if we take advantage of the technology without having the technology take advantage of us, we've got um, a, a marvelous future ahead. And that's where you come in because as a young man, you and your dad, and incidentally, your dad is uh, phenomenal. Uh, when I re read his book, I knew immediately I wanted to befriend this guy and um and become part of his inner circle because he does have such a good background in so much different technology. But you, as a young man growing up in this system, you kind of have the, the young person's desire to see this really work and yet, and the knowledge to make it work, but yet at the same time, you're, you're around the eternal skeptics when you're around your dad and me, you know that uh, we are very, very worried about this uh, technology getting away from us. Uh, Alex, if you uh, if you want to comment on that, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think one of the big things is the uh, is. Uh, especially in the last 10 years, it, it's really easy for me to connect because uh, that's, you know, the last 10 years of technology have been ex exponential in their rise. We have gone from, you know, the, the, uh, the, the mid generation of, uh, of technology. And now I feel as if though, especially in the last couple of years, um, uh, in, uh, even more of an exponential growth in terms of what's, what computing allows now. Um, I remember reading uh, it, well, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, one of the big things in the uh, in the book was uh, the babblefish, um, uh, just translation. You basically put the fish in your ear, and it allows you to translate um, every all of the weird different species across the you know across the galaxy and whatnot. But today. Um, our cell phones accomplish that, especially with some of the new AI uh, tools that are available. And because uh, I, I, I do, I like the point of, you know, if we can take advantage of the uh, of the technology and let, not let it be a hindrance, um, that's uh, that's absolutely a good thing. Um, the problem is, is uh, you know, like, uh, like like as it has been for a long time now, is that 
if we barrel through and we barrel directly into some of these technologies without a, some for some semblance of ethical forethought, then then we kind of get to the point where they do start to take advantage of us, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Um, that's that's the big thing, uh, especially with social media. Um, Zoom, Zoom is a big, uh, you know, just the uh, Zoom program itself. Like when it first came out, there, it was it, it was just it, it worked, but it didn't. Um, and I think that's kind of how. Uh, you know, a lot of the metaphors for how the government works, how taxes work, how everybody has gone, uh, gotten from the point to where we used to deal in, you know, physical checks and, you know, probably some people still do, but now, you know, everything is a virtual currency. We are, we are numbers on a page. I mean, heck, if you have a social security number in this, uh, in this country, you are labeled, tracked and understood in some way like the, because uh, it, it, it's, it's the rabbit hole is that you go from bitcoin and what it and what it represents to uh to the very definition of of freedom and liberty and what it means to be a united states citizen and and it's really easy to involve all of that because one thing like bitcoin stands for freedom in my opinion um i, I think that bitcoin has done something that humans have never been able to do before and that's cut out the middleman um which is the united states federal government um, and, and by extension, the Federal Reserve. Um, and it has been for a long time. Ever since Nixon was like, oh, no more gold. Um, it, you know, that was it. That was the final nail in the coffin for, for a free and open currency um, that wasn't absolutely manipulated by the federal government and the Federal Reserve. And we always talk about Bitcoin. Um, I think the better question is, and, and it's taken a while to kind of bring my data around to this, is that, is that Bitcoin as a, as a question is almost irrelevant because what we're really asking ourselves is what is money? And, and money, it, it, the, the very definition of money in itself is a much more important term than what Bitcoin represents. And it, because, it, because especially through the height of what has been Bitcoin. I remember um, talking to my dad in, uh, in about 2010, um, the first what Bitcoin was, because this was, uh, you know, th this was new, just brand new um, back in 2009, 2010. Um, and it, it, me and my friends, because we love computer games, um, one of the big things that we also did uh, during, you know, what were some of my college, the beginnings of my college years, um, were, uh, were taking all these, uh, machines that we had and mining Bitcoin because back then it was very easy to mine Bitcoin. I mean, I mean, even now, like fast forward 20 years, I mined Bitcoin in my garage for at least six months straight. And yeah, I mean, I got a little money and probably, and you know, the, uh, you know, the electricity costs, you know, were more than, uh, it really kind of offset it. But <laughs> it, it, the bottom line was, is that, uh, is that these things can be done and people can do them. And the, uh, having the knowledge on how to do a lot of those things kind of separates some of that because knowledge is really what is what it takes to be able to see everything that's going on from a much wider angle than than right now unmute and remember you gotta unmute yourself Dan. yeah dan if i can jump in here just for a second yeah so, please do you know yeah. money really is what we say it is 
whatever we agree, we can trade uh, value with, um, you know, seashells used to be money and um, you know, bar, bar, barter is barter is money. And some people like to think that they are the money, but um, money really is defined as store of value, unit of account and um, uh, medium of exchange. And so all three of those things have to be working in order for a value exchange to to actually take place on a universal basis. So you could try to tomate, you know, trade tomatoes for wine, but it's not universal. It's not cross-border kind of uh, transaction and it's inefficient. So that's one of the things I think that's most exciting about this distribution system or this public ledger is that, you know, we can accomplish a lot in the way of, um, you know, taking back liberty and freedom, um, honesty, and, uh, you know, and create sound mediums of exchange that are backed by assets that are universally recognized as valuable. And that's really silver is the oldest form of money that we have used um, for generations. And it is the one thing that has kept um you know historically kept inflation at bay but uh, as you know governments have lost their way and so um anyway just wanted to throw that out there Cash well, that's a, here. yeah yeah that, that that's a good lead in and uh and i uh, that's exactly where i want to go with this discussion because i want jeff and i want alex uh to, to be part of this because i know well, I have to tell you, uh, Alex, uh, through uh, through Jeff, uh, told me a few years ago. He said, "You know, here's how if if you want to get involved in cryptocurrencies, here here's how you do it. You go look at the white papers. You understand what really is behind this particular crypto. You look at the architecture per se." Uh, you look at the thinking behind it, and uh, at the time he um, mentioned to me uh, 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 Ethereum and Litecoin, which I did buy some, and I'm glad I did um, at, at that point. I, I've got a little bit of Bitcoin, but not much. Uh, I wished I had bought it when it was uh, uh, six cents, but uh, so much for that. <laughs> But I am looking to get a little bit more as time goes by. I I still think there's some downside to it that I can get in on. But that was the reason that I got excited about load, because when I talked to our mutual friend David Morgan, uh, David was talking about this is a way that you can get in to the precious metals where you don't have to be carrying around a a bag full of coins. Uh, you don't have to worry about somebody coming to your house and knocking you off because you got, uh, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars worth of gold coins sitting in your, uh, in your safe. You can do this in an intelligent way, and that's where I like to see this technology head, so that we can still do this but maintain the privacy that. Uh, that Alex and Jeff were talking about. And uh, so, uh, Cash, I, I want to uh, welcome you to the program. You haven't had a chance to say anything yet, but um, I'm, I'm going to go back to, to uh, Jeff and to Alex so that we can kind of 
work into this discussion about uh, cryptos, and and then we can bring you in to talk about how load is set up to be able to take advantage of that technology. Is that is that cool? Sounds good. I've got some uh, I've got some good news and good uh, good bits of info for you guys. So ready when you are. Okay, great. Uh, uh, Jeff, let's go ahead. I'll go back to you. I, I guess, I guess, from my my standpoint, the easiest the easiest way to kind of bring it in into um, uh, the load sphere, or what uh, what could be discussed there, is is basically to kind of step back into a, a general look at uh, the difference between. Um, what money? Uh, what money is? What currency is? And what uh, what the metals are? And what uh, and how a, a, a financial transaction system can work? I, I guess you know if you were to compare what's going on in the in the cyber currency world uh, over the last ten years, you have to go. You have to step back and kind of look uh, a couple hundred. Uh, more than a couple hundred years ago, back to the introduction of uh, of the golden of the metal standard, uh, people seem to forget that from the time that uh, that Newton was the exchequer and became uh, and introduced the, the the whole concept of the metal exchange system, it was almost a century before that was fully adopted and, and accepted. It, it takes because you have to go through all these startup fits and and uh, in uh, convulsions uh, before people begin to settle into okay what are we going to do with this new thing? Well, we're only you know we're only a little over ten years uh, in, into the cyber currency world, and we're already uh, probably four times along the maturity. Uh, uh, curve uh, to where the gold standard, the metal standard, was uh, a few centuries ago, it, it, and I think that what you'll see is in the next ten years, you're going to see the 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 cyber currency world stabilize uh, a lot more than it has been the last ten years, and to begin to start showing its transactional capability and its true currency capability on a global basis. So I don't, you know, I, I think people just need to take a, a, a pause and a breath. All, all, of course, you know, I think it's pretty clear by now that all of the critics that said it was going to die and be done with and go away, um, uh, uh, most of them are probably silenced at this point, although uh, I, I think just like flat earthers, they never give up. They, they, there's always going to be a flat earth to some people. But I think at this point, it should be fairly after the last decade of, of, of the full evolution, it should be apparent to most people, that uh, most reasonable people at least, that uh, cyber currency, um, while there may, be, there may be plenty of starts and stops and, uh, and fits and frauds and, um, and bad dealing out there, if you look, when you look at each one of them, it's no different than has happened in any currency standard at any time uh, in, in the past several century as, as currency systems have evolved. The basic difference here is the fact that um, this is the first time 
since the introduction of the metal standard or any type of financial exchange standard of the last three or four centuries, that the that a two-party system, uh, in effect, what's called a, a termed a trustless system, um, instead of a instead of a trusted system with a third party in in the middle, this is the first time that a trustless two-party exchange system has been in, introduced as the standard. And I think when we get through the startup fits of that that part, um, that fundamental change in the equation. I think people will see that the two-party system is a much better, in the long run, creates a much a much better solution um, to the 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 monetary system and the financial transaction system because you uh, eliminate such a larger proportion of the potential for fraud and the potential for corruption. Uh, than you have in a, in a three-party system with, with people always sitting as the intermediary. You know, a lot of people are confused, like for the, F, the FTX fraud. The FTX fraud did not operate on the two-party model. It operated on the three-party model. You had FTX always sitting in the middle uh, in, uh, of the transaction, and that's how they perpetuated the fraud. It was not, uh, it was not a actual uh, sound cyber currency implementation, it was a fraudulent implementation. And that's going to occur whether you're in a national currency situation uh, or any, any private transaction. There's always the potential for fraud. It's just how far can you reduce it to be the least amount of problem and the least and the, create the least corruption in the system in order to have a sustainable long-term financial system, and that's that's what the the cyber currency really represents in relation to uh, the, the the national the national bank currency system was great for a couple of centuries but it's kind of it's everybody should be well aware by now that it's finally reached boiled up to reach the top of the scale and it's now the single most dangerous thing we have is the banking system uh in front of us that can cause everybody problems because there's there's it is a it's a closed system dependent upon three-party transaction rather than two-party trustless transaction and i think Right. is, is right. this starts to be realized, that's when people are really going to start to take hold of, uh, of, of new implementations. I think that the, the tie between uh, cyber currency and the metal standard is, is, the, is a good first step because I think people that don't understand cyber currency, they need that connection. They need, they mm -hmm. need the familiar to be connected to the unfamiliar in order to make them comfortable. I think when that comfort period passes is when you're going to see uh, both the metal standard and the cyber standard take off independently working mm -hmm. together. I agree. I agree. That's that's a beautiful statement. Now, here's the part I want to discuss and I I want your input on this because the Fed, the the uh, International Monetary Fund, all these big central bankers are trying to figure out a way to get their fingers into the pie, and that's where the central bank digital currency 
concept comes from. And that takes us right back to the problem that you're talking about, where we go from being a two-party transaction uh, to a three-party or even a four-party transaction. And that's where the CBDC comes in. That's why we've got to stop central bank digital currencies and their ideas of tying everything to a UPC code. Well, that's, you know, what's interesting about that is, is it's, it's obvious what the attempt they're, what the attempt they're trying to make is in trying to get the adoption of a central bank digital currency by making everybody believe it's another form uh, of, uh, of cyber currency when it's not digital, digital money as the CBDC or any of these central bank offerings, they are all third party systems. And that's they're just like if they have every, they have the same uh, potential for fraud that the that the the FTX does because they retain the third party function in order and in a all they did is use blockchain in order to give them uh, a direct track from uh, uh, from each end of every transaction that is made in that currency instead of being an anonymous it automatically becomes. Uh, not only not only surveilled, but uh, actively tracked and audited from their perspective, and that's and that's why the the key to people understanding what's happening here and why they have to reject the CBDC is because it is not uh, in any way a secure two party trustless system. It is absolutely a third party uh, trust system based on. Uh, the central bank's ability to remain um, um, uh, completely corruption-free, which is absolutely yeah. becoming not possible. That's ridiculous. That isn't even fantasy land. That is uh, absurdity to think that central bankers will ever do the right thing, uh, certainly not on a repeated, uh, repeated way. Uh, cash... I want to get you into the discussion now. You've heard uh, quite a bit of uh, talk here. I want to I want to understand how load is going to retain uh, the ability to to stay true to its purpose and stay true to a uh, sound money standard based on precious metals. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, Dan. And uh, it's nice to meet everybody else on the call here. Um, just to touch on some of the points that have been brought up regarding the central uh, CDBCs um, and how how our financial system is moving forward. So uh, currently, I'm actually in talks with the team that are working on the CDBCs for many of the banks. Um, right now, they're already they're already released. They're in circulation, um, and basically, how this is going to work is currencies are now going to be owned by brands, not by governments. So, for example, brands means uh, banks. So, currencies will be owned by banks. Each bank will have their own version of the U.S. dollar. Uh, they'll have their own version of other currencies. Um, and that is being implemented and, and rolled out now. Um, it, it, is, it is out there and it is in circulation right now. The problem with these currencies is they have rules. 
So they have rules and they're controlled by the central authority that can decide whether they want to uh, stop stop you from accessing your funds or it's, it's up to them how you spend your money. Um, now moving forward to, to load. So with load, we have created our gold and silver uh, backed stable coins. So we've got our gold and silver backed stable coins that trade and remain pegged to the price of those assets. Um, our assets do not have rules. So if you're now looking at what options we have to spend our money and to hold our money, you're looking at you have the brands or banks that have rules for your money compared to a uh, free system or a free market that has no rules. Um, we don't have rules set in place for our currencies. Uh, so you can spend and receive them how you wish. Um, yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell, what's going on right now. None of this stuff that's happening right now is, uh, it's actually not new. It's been happening for a while. Um, what is catching up is, uh, just general consumer knowledge. So this has been happening for a while now. It's just everybody's catching up with it now. Um, if we look at what's going on with these 15-minute cities, which uh, I'm from uh, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Melbourne is part of the 15-minute cities. Um, this is where all of these uh, currencies and CDBCs fit into the picture. You'll only be able to spend within your five-kilometre radius. Um, you will not be able to spend outside of that. If you look at what's happening in the UK right now, they're setting up uh, barricades at different uh, suburbs and, and stuff like this because they also have 15-minute cities. So now you'll be driving back home from work and there's people blocking your uh, suburb entrance, asking you for proof of ID to get in. Um, it's very interesting. I think it's very interesting. What's kind of happening is uh, it's similar to that movie uh, In Time, I don't know if anybody's seen that movie in time with uh, mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake, where uh, time is the currency um, and every suburb or district is sectioned off by wealth levels. And this is very true. Um, we're going to start seeing this more and more happen. Uh, so I guess it's important for uh, consumers or users or uh, the public to start looking at what options they have once they flip the switch, once they they really call it and say, okay, uh, our CDBCs are being rolled out, uh, you now have restrictions, or we're helping you. It's going to be it's going to be put forward in the way of this is actually a good thing. Uh, it's here to help you mm -hmm. until you go to buy your uh, your second copy for the day and it's denying you. Um, so that's 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 kind of the phase we're in now. Uh, if you look at uh, the BRICS, BRICS nations, they've already successfully created their CDBCs, uh, which are already backed by gold and other precious metals. So the gold standard has been brought back. Um, we just don't hear about these things because uh, the news gets kind of diluted in amongst everything else going on. But the gold standard is back. The BRICS nations have brought the, brought the gold standard mm -hmm. back. Um, you know, we've seen gold rise from 2K an ounce to 3K an ounce in the last six months because of all of this. Um, and then you have load, load that has their uh, gold and silver uh, backed and pegged stable coins kind of trading and, 
and uh, out in the market right now. So this is kind of the landscape of what's going on. Uh, before I go further into it, I'm going to, I'm going to jump off the mic to, to let others kind of add in on that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's very interesting times, very exciting. We are kind of going into that dystopian future. Now it's happening. Um, so be prepared, be prepared and you should be okay. Well, uh, Cash, you you brought up a subject that happens to be near and dear to my heart. Of course, there's a lot of these subjects are, but UN Agenda 21, 2030, the so-called sustainability, that's really what's dri been driving this for 30 plus years. And uh, that is what the 15-minute cities are all about, because they plan to get people off the countryside. They plan to uh, get people in stack-and-pack cities where everybody is literally living within 15 minutes by foot or bicycle or public transportation of where you work. And uh, the whole idea is to control us so that we don't have the freedom to uh, to move and travel and and do the things that we've been able to do for you know the last uh, couple of centuries. This is really what's been driving this right along, and yet people will deny that. They'll say, "Oh no, 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 that's not happening." The heck it isn't. It's been happening for thirty plus years. And uh, so, Jeff, you write about that, as a matter of fact, in A Citizen's Last Stand. You brought that up in 2012. This is part of a much bigger program to control literally everything we do from cradle to grave, every step we take, and we are now victims of a surveillance society that's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Uh well, it, yes and no. Uh, you know, I mean, if you, uh, I have, I have an uh, unlimited amount of trust in the individual's ability to succeed, and I think that if you look across the world, there is plenty of divergent behavior being observed in just about every society. People are saying, "No, we're not going to go there." You may want to go there, and there's always going to be a, a, a good portion of the population who are going to be willing willing to go there. But there's always going to be individuals like those on this program, uh, and and thousands of other programs around the world. This is the this is the key thing that gives me a lot of optimism going forward, as I see this more and more, and I and you you see happening here in the U.S. and elsewhere uh, around the world that people are saying no we're not going to we're not going that way we're going to do this with this over here and i think when it comes to that's one of the best features of what cyber currency has to offer or any of the uh, any of the private currency offerings any of the gold and silver offering i don't care where you go or what the uh, or what the the uh, different currency offerings are, whether they're metals attached, whether they're commodity attached, whether they're standalone uh, cyber currencies, no matter what, um, there's lots of them. And there's there's always the, the, the field of innovation that has always existed for uh, many decades in the tech world. Uh, since this came out of the tech world, this is going to be every bit uh, I believe um, 
as fruitful as every other tech innovation that comes along um, from the, the basic standpoint or the ability to give individual empowerment to um, uh, rather than rather than collective empowerment. This is actually going to increase the distributed architecture uh, of uh, just, I mean, it, what's so funny to me about all of this is that this is all based on the, basically what you could call the internet model. And the internet model is a distributed architecture model. It is not, the internet is what killed the centralized computing architecture model. And, and the fact that they, the centralizing bodies, if you will, or the centralizing mentality uh, constantly tries over and over again to centralize, 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 to get people to collectively, uh, coercively, collectively. Volunteer collectivism is fine. Coercive collectivism is something entirely different. And the fact that they keep using this, this distributed, uh, un, uh, uh, cooperative collector, collective architecture of the internet to try and impose these centralized collective coercive uh, architectures on people is astounding. And the fact that people keep buying it. And I think what we're gonna see is more and more people start to understand this fundamental change um, in, in the basic architecture of not only communication, but in every type of model out there for um, advancement of civilization, I think they're going to start realizing that the centralizing model is not the, co the centralizing coercive model is not the way they want to go. And more and more, there'll be a conscious rejection of those types of architectures for an adoption of a decentralized distributed architecture that is much more amenable to um, the, na the natural behavior of individual freedom and liberty. And I think that's what people are gonna see in the next 10 years is, is we're actually gonna break, we're gonna break about uh, almost a century of molding here uh, that we've been, that they've attempted to mold us into and, and start to decentralize more and more into all kinds, every aspect of life that in fact has, has been centralized over the last century. You know, that's, a, um, I, that's why I like you, Jeff. Uh, I, I, we're from the same generation. I, you know, I started uh, working with Fortran and COBOL back right. in 1971. Uh, you know, that was my first introduction to uh, computers, and we we were designing a CAD program for the School of Architecture uh, in, in the whole basement of the library. We had to reserve it for an hour uh, every other day so that we could actually run the programs to put together this thing to, to draw a little stick building. I mean, that's how far back we go. But uh, you were there from the very, very beginning, and you saw how this whole, this whole idea has evolved, the technology, the computers, how it's involved, evolved, and, and how I am uh, thrilled to have you talk about how you believe that the human condition is not going to allow us 
to fall into the trap that they have set for us because they love the technology because they saw it as a way to control humanity literally every aspect of humanity. That's how the AI, that's how the transhumanist aspects of this, the nanotechnology through mRNA vaccine programs and all these other things are all designed to be part of this program to control us. I am tickled to death that you and other people are saying, no, we're not gonna let this happen. And that's why Ian and Cash are here to talk about, yes, we can do this. We can stop this by taking the reins and doing it ourselves with something that's going to retain value no matter what, because there isn't a third party there doing the transaction. Right. Well, that's I, that's one thing I'd like to I'd like to hear more about Ian's uh, Ian's idea and, and concepts and where, where he, he thinks we can take this. Absolutely. I yeah. actually just to jump in, Ian, as well. Um, that'd be great. Um, I, I remember back in the uh, I think it was the mid 2000s or so something if uh, it's called um, gold money. And I believe it was one of the first iterations of uh, of the gold, the virtual gold currency. Uh, so it, it, I love the whole uh, blockchain to silver and gold and even other metals as well or just any physical assets um i i think the the most beautiful thing about uh, the blockchain protocol uh, that you can look at is that it allows you to apply it to everything. Um, it's not just some glorified database. Um, in fact, what it is is that it has given uh, everybody the ability to do exactly what we mentioned in the beginning of one-to-one uh, -one transactions. And that is an extremely important thing uh, because prior to that, uh, it, when you had to go, when you were using the King's money, for example, um, you could only use the King's money. You could only go through, and but the, it's the same principles from back then, rocks, uh, tulips, et cetera, except uh, this time is that uh, we have the ability to keep uh, a, honest to God, immutable track um, of what, is on the chain um and i think that's that's the whole part of crypto is crypto works people often forget that crypto works extremely well because when they say crypto what they're really saying is cryptology and cryptology um uh, is uh, is a very simple except uh, throughout all of human history we have always used it um but crypto is just uh, the the nomenclature as it is today um, is very much the, under the same basic principles of uh, gold money, of uh, allow, stopping the federal government and, and just government at large from having any real um, uh, ability to uh, say what you can and cannot do, because money is power and money is voting. Money is a way of voting. And because of that, um, that's why, you know, I, I if it, whenever these types of things pop up, like load, for example, um, I, I'm all ears because I want to hear the next iteration um, of what people are doing now uh, because they've yeah. they've seen they've seen the problems. Now. Now what? That's so. a good segue, Alex. Um, you know, gold money was a cool project. It enabled people to spend some of their gold you know, tap it onto a Visa card and, and spend it. Glint is the same thing. You know, their database gold, they keep a ledger internally on a database and they enable you to spend 
your gold and then you can buy some more from them and top it up and spend again. And, and it was, it, it's, it's that kind of um, system, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's um, generation one of being able to monetize your metal. Um, you know, I have over the years managed to buy a few things like sushi or a coffee here and there with a Canadian maple or a silver round, but it takes me an hour to be able to do that. You know, you've the, the, uh, the manager has to go on the internet and find out what the spot price of silver is and what a maple is worth. And then, you know, how can you make change for, for you is to pay you out in fiat because he can't pay you out in silver. And so all of that, um, you know, complicated transactional stuff is solved uh, at the load system. And, and, and we're taking it a, a step further next generation level up, you know, we're beginning to produce our own metal, which we run through processors, through refiners, and then swap it into the vaults. And then we share part of the profit with the network. So it's, it's a good old fashioned distribution system where all the web three wallets globally will be able to list AGX AUX coins and then earn by putting them into circulation. And then the users, when they tap and spend or load onto their Visa card um, or pay a merchant or transfer to a uh, peer-to-peer to another um, person, they earn uh, valuable rewards on every $100 that they send. And so the rebate system, the notifications that they're going to get, it's it's next-level stuff. And, you know, essentially – take a ton of material from a mine site and load it onto your visa card is what we're doing here at load, which is super cool. And I think that it's groundbreaking because it will enable people around the world to use monetary metal or resources that they can mine in their own town or country or nation and uh, load them into the blockchain using the load system and construct sovereign money and so it's uh it's next level and it's nearly complete and uh cash can tell you a little bit more about the technology that that load is using because that is as well is is now completely decentralized and peer-to-peer and uh state-of-the-art Ian, I'm going to interrupt at this point, and then I would love to have uh, Cash come into this conversation. But I got involved 10 years ago with a group out of uh, Utah. We were working on a sound money bill for the state of Montana. And as a result, I ended up uh, being introduced to um, UPMA, United Precious Metals Association, uh, they're up in Alpine, Utah, and I actually uh, was a director on their board for a while. I probably will go back to doing that. Uh, but they tied uh, their depository into a Visa card. And uh, they also have a product called Goldbacks that are a uh, actual note that's a uh, gold sandwich between two pieces of mylar that has actual precious metals involved in that note. And this is the kind of thing that you're going to be working with cash 
and with load because you're, you're almost ready to roll out that Visa card that will be tied into all that as well. Okay, Cash, go ahead. I I, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, fascinating. And incidentally, this is another example of how the technology is because you're in Australia and you're talking with us today and we're able to do this communication about something as important as sound money from uh, many thousands of miles apart. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing where, how far things have come. Um, and especially with uh, over the last two years with load, um, there's been a lot of significant uh, upgrades and, and changes that have kind of brought us forward to where we are today, um, which we've successfully created gold and silver markets in a decentralized environment. Um, so just to, just to touch on the tech a little bit, guys, without getting too technical in with the jargon, um, currently, we have gold and silver uh, trading in decentralized exchanges. <clears throat> so decentralized exchanges, um, obviously, it's uh, it's an exchange that's decentralized. <laughs> um, there's no one controlling your assets. Uh, it's run by the community. So right now, we have gold trading against the US dollar and silver trading against the US dollar in these markets. Um, anybody can go in. You don't even need an account. Uh, you just need a crypto uh, or decentralized wallet to connect to the platform. And you can start taking advantage of trading uh, gold to the US dollar or silver to the US dollar. Um, then we also have our virtual credit card system that's uh, coming online very soon. So uh, users will be able to actually spend their money with the AUX and, and AGX, the gold and silver, uh, using our credit card system. And again, all of this gets funneled through the decentralized exchanges. That's the bedrock of our of our business is these decentralized exchanges. Um, there is not one person sitting there issuing uh, funds. So it all comes through our decentralized exchanges. Um and, and and that's that's the that's kind of the whole kind of purpose of this conversation is decentralized versus centralized. Um, you know these other currencies or other options that we have at the moment, even Bitcoin. So even with with Bitcoin, and this is something that I would uh, caution anybody that's listening to the call um, to the podcast is with Bitcoin and some of these other assets that are able to their prices are able to move high and low such drastically. A lot of these things are actually centralized. Bitcoin is centralized. Um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, a lot of these uh, tokens or systems or currencies are centralized. Um, if anybody's aware of Dogecoin, um, it's you know one that yeah, it's a bit, it's a it's a weird one. It's just a token of a dog, and that ended up becoming a billion dollar billion dollar currency or billion dollar asset. They just found out that the uh, the American government actually owns $2 billion worth of that yesterday. Hmm. So how is that now? How is that decentralized? When you have one person that can come in and buy up 30% of the supply and control your asset value like this, this is not the case with AUX and AGX. AUX and AGX are pegged and backed by their asset prices. Um, anybody can come in and buy any amount. 
uh, and it will not affect the rest of the users. So this is very important, something very important to keep in mind when you're looking at where to park your money or where to park your assets um, is, yeah, is you know, does the thing that you're buying have the ability or has someone else been able to buy the majority of to fluctuate and control the market? So, um, yeah, yeah, something very important to keep in mind. Uh, it's better to go with stable assets uh, that are ruleless than uh, than non-stable assets that have rules tied to them. Well, and and this is something I'm going to bring up, uh, and then we'll get Jeff and. Alex back into the discussion, but uh, one of the reasons that I got excited about load in the beginning is the fact that um, it it's not based in the United States or even for that matter, Canada or the UK. It's based out of Switzerland. And part of the reason for that is, is because they have so few laws trying to control what central banking is all about. And uh, as a result of that, there's a certain amount of, um, I guess I would call it a firewall uh, legally uh, to uh, protect load from uh, the U.S. or the U.K. or whoever else wants to get involved. Um, that, I think, is a real positive. And, Ian, I'll do a little plug. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not advertising. I'm not saying... Uh, that I'm giving people advice on how to spend their money. But one of the reasons I got involved with, uh, with load in the first place is it looked like a great opportunity to invest in the foundation of a system that was going to be able to uh, change the whole monetary system worldwide. And that's why I actually got involved in load rather than in AUX or AGX, although I do have, now have some uh, uh, AGX, uh, actual you know, yeah. physical. But uh, part of it was to, to try to get involved in something. You know, it's nice to know that you're actually investing in something that may end up being the future of money worldwide and uh doing it for the right reasons okay yeah Sorry. yeah there's 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 some cornerstones to the concept and to to the operations of the of the community um one uh it was felt early on that no one person should own a system like this two that the network should be distributed and as decentralized as possible three that all of the assets working in collaboration, either stakeholders or users, would operate in a digital framework, not in a classic equity stakeholding shareholder kind of environment. And so the community continues to move towards decentralization simply to seize on the mandate to restore silver and gold to the monetary system and to keep the system decentralized as possible, meaning that token holders manage the framework uh, of the system as opposed to shareholders. So there are no shareholders in the load system, only token holders. And smart contracts manage the way that the rewards are paid out based on the circulating supply of the AGX and AOX coins as they uh, 
transact globally. So it's a it's a pretty powerful machine, and the community continues to support its development. And we believe that from the technical point of view, in the next two quarters, the system will be fully operational, including the physical mining machine where AGX and AUX coins are constructed from material that is acquired through the process of the refining operation in Mexico and other places in the world. And a portion of those profits are going to be um, utilized to incentivize the network to start uh, putting AGX and AUX into circulation globally. So uh, on every $50 million worth of transactions, the network will earn about 3 million. And that's very similar to what you uh, see with the Ethereum model, which is you know um, transaction-based mining and nodes and um, you know lots of uh, partners keep that network operational and the revenue that comes in from transactions is shared throughout the network. And Ethereum trades at 147 times its revenue. And if that were to happen at load within the next five years, load tokens could be $800. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all smart contract. So the owners of the system are the load token holders and the users, of course, of the product are the AGX AUX coin users. Okay. That's yeah. what makes it very uh, different. Yeah, it does make a difference. Jeff, um, you know, again, I'm falling back to you because I think I think you're one of the smartest people I know on uh the this whole technology. Uh you know, what do you think? I mean, uh, does this uh can you see some some areas that need to be discussed that, uh, you know, that you've got concerns about and well, because that's how we make things better. Yeah. Well, I think, I, you know, the first thing, the first thing on this is, is the connection. I think there's a, there's an interim period here that's going to go on. And I think that's what's, what's good in these, in this, this next round of offerings that's coming out. Um, is that they're tying, they're starting to tie all the elements together. I think to a degree that that we'll find over time that people will be will understand and be less concerned about um, uh, thinking that that a cyber that a cyber currency has to be tied to a specific uh, uh, commodity or asset of another type in order for it to have value. They'll start to under understand as these smart contract applications, as Ian is talking about, get implemented, that actually they'll, they'll start to understand that uh, what uh, what the uh, this next round offers is really is a, is a, a, a double value standard. Where they have not only the connection to the the connection to the commodity or asset as value, but the the value that's in the actual application that's running uh, across on on uh, the next layer of the or the token itself, and that's where people start to understand as 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 that matures. Like I said, again, this is this is all part of a maturation model. 
that that started out, you know, extreme speculation in in this new idea called Bitcoin, and before the other uh, currencies even started proliferating. And we're, we're we're so rapidly going through these iterations now that I uh, that I think um, we're we're just like the the microcomputer industry. We're going to come to a point like the '80s where they kind of stalled out in the architecture in in one sense because they were trying to figure out what was it was the the turning point to understand that the value was actually in the application more than the machine mm -hmm. the hardware the hardware had a certain underlying value but it wasn't simply it, it wasn't just the the direct value of the technology it was in the multiplying effect that came in all, in the app world, all of these mm -hmm. apps that came along. And I think what you're seeing is the same sort of evolution that's continuing to move forward very quickly in relation to, especially for, you know, you, people have to remember this type of movement in the monetary and financial world um, is, is shocking to them. This type mm -hmm. of movement where you're, you're actually... You know, I mean, money hasn't advanced um, uh, in any sense except going from uh, a metal-based uh, metal-based connection to a fiat-based system. Uh, but 50 years ago, and that 50 years has taken, uh, or well, it's now yeah, cl closing in on uh, 50 some years, uh, has now already re it's reached the end of its uh, of its lifespan, exactly. and it's quickly running out of gas. And now you have what appear to be um, dozens, literally dozens of different iterations, but they're, they're starting to fall into certain categories. What, what, um, uh, what uh, Lode is proposing, what, all, what, these, what this next generation of, of currencies are um, invoking is, is uh, the stabilization point. I think the first stabilization point for the technology where people, it goes wide. The, the, the whole concept begins to now go wide and it's gonna happen exactly at the same point where the whole fiat currency system is starting to really fall apart quickly, basically because they've loaned themselves into non-existence at this point. There's so much debt that, that they can't recover from that people are going to realize the first thing is, is we can't go into a debt-based cycle again. Uh, we will not, right. we're not going to survive another, another debt-based cycle like this, because this one, when it finally it finishes its implosion, is going to be horrendous when all of this, uh, all of this quote unquote money um, simply becomes uh, um uh, endless debt and foreclosure and and liquidation and uh, I mean, like I said, in some ways it's it's it so exceeds anything that that um, I'd come to in in the citizens last stand and trying to explain to people this evolution that was coming. Um, it it so it so far exceeds it in in the cat to this catastrophic level they've taken it to that it it's it's kind of hard to even for me. Uh, having been having thought it through for quite a while now it's it's even getting scary for me as as something mm -hmm. that it's kind of like the snow that keeps coming to the sierras 
in California <laughs> and the rain and the, the, the atmospheric rivers. And you get to the point of, well, how many catastrophes can we produce here before we get to the real catastrophe? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem the longer this goes on is that the more they try to extend it and the more they fight um, the, the, uh, the sheer inertia of the change that's coming in the transition with, with, uh, with the new way of doing business um, uh, and the technological aspects of, of the society we're creating, um, it's going, it, it's, it just makes it that much harder. It's going to make the, the, the final crash and burn so much harder to, um, to sort out and to get straightened out again and to get back on the road after, after it's done. Uh, and that's what I think is, is most difficult for me is, is I, I don't like to, at the same time, like you said, you, well, you, you know, you like the, 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 where I'm going and, and, and saying, and being so optimistic about this. And at the same time, it's, uh, I have all this gloom and doom about how bad the, 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 the other guys are making the transition, uh, because they're, they're just, they're just so incredibly stupid in how they pursue things. Mm. And so, Bingo. yeah. And so, uh, instead of instead of allowing things to to naturally more naturally progress and advance, um, they keep trying to hold it up and destroy it. So uh, you know it's that's that's why it's a it's kind of a difficult it's kind of a, we're in a difficult period right now trying to sort this out because we're, we're basically we're holding static right now uh, while everybody's waiting to see just how, just how bad it's going to go down before it comes back up again. And I think what we keep seeing with what things like what Ian's talking about, what Lode's talking about, what, what, what all of these different offerings, uh, both, uh, uh, technology wise and, and, um, financially and monetarily and exchange wise, I think, um, we're, we're kind of started seeing the real light at the end of the tunnel of how we can get out of this. It's just how do we get through the next five years is going to be the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think and, it's really important not to go straight at them, but go around them and yeah. just offer people mm-hmm. uh, an opportunity to seize on their liberty and their freedom to store value in their own capacity using technology that's easy for them to understand and um, get out of the system and get out of the way. You know, how do you catch a falling safe? You don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You just yeah, you stand back and the it'll break up when it yeah. hits the ground. <laughs> these, these young kids are going to do whatever they need to do and they're going to do it on their phones. And, and then, you know, um, and it's efficient for them to be able to store value in their phones and and um, and trade with one another. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's like it's like Napster did to the music industry. This is this is a, an opportunity to seize on your freedom and money. You know, it's funny. Yeah. That's actually a really that's an interesting metaphor um, because what did Napster actually do? to the industry, um, especially right prior to it being shut down. Um, I remember using Napster daily 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, as far back as uh, as, as I go, um, heck, that's why I, uh, my dad's right. I mean, I, one of our first computers was a uh, it was that PowerBook, that PowerBook G4 that you had. It was beautiful. It was the size of a literal briefcase, <laughs> and the uh, it was heavy. It was like seriously like fifty pounds too, and that was uh, that was the first machine. That was the uh, one of the very first machines that uh, you know we we had talked about earlier from where we started to where we're at now. And, you know, and the ability for these types of technologies to maximize um, individual liberty, because that's that's what's important. Um, A lot of the things, especially with these different uh, cryptos, is that it gets lost in translation Um, because because there's there's two sides to this coin, so to speak. One side is the money aspect. Uh, The other side is the freedom aspect. And when you meld those two things, that's where it comes. That's where it becomes incredibly important and very usable. That's where the wide scale adoption happens. I mean, realize is that the entirety of the crypto market is like what one two trillion dollars at the most. That is a literal drop in the bucket compared to what the United States trades on on almost a daily basis. On uh, the United States Federal Reserve note, which is a token in and out of itself, um, printed by a centrally managed um, well. Uh, at this point, it's some dude that's pressing a zero a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, especially, uh, you know, you look at what happened um, at the beginning of the pandemic versus where we are now. And it's blatantly obvious that the central banks will do everything they can to cover all of their asses, because what happens if they don't? It's exactly what we've talked about for years. And it's what a lot of other people have talked about for years. It's the literal financial Armageddon. And and from there, what's the easiest way to shelter yourself? Crypto. Crypto is the perfect example of how to uh, not only uh, shelter yourself from the in, from the pending hurricane of financial horrible chaos, and where we are now. I mean, we have what happened in two years. The, the easiest thing to point at is that our money supply literally doubled in two years. Mm-hmm. How is that any different? from any type of uh, i mean it is it's the fraud of the highest order because all of a sudden you're just diluting the entire base of uh, you know all of these coins it's just that's what i love about how crypto and money are important very very important things to uh, differentiate and distinguish because if you don't that's when you get these f you know people that invest in things like ftx which from the get-go any like it was the literal it, it, to the point of like supervillain stuff it, it, to the point of like you should have seen it from the uh, ftx when people uh, when it first started exploding it was like it, from it, just looking at it from the top down it was like how is this not fraud how is this not over exactly. fraud and and the fact is is that people just it, money talks and because of that it's so easy to get the bandwagon. It's like what he thought, you know, it's, it's what, uh, you know, he's gotten that for since I was a kid. It was, you know, if you want to have a self-sufficient system, then, then it has to be self-sufficient from the get go. And, you know, and from there, um, these tokens, these, uh, you know, a lot of these tokens, not all of them. I mean, you know, there is a time and place for the crypto markets. um, But to what degree in your life, if your goal is to make money off of crypto, um, I would say our goals differ because my goal with crypto is to free people. 
because as it stands right now, crypto only, uh, you know, out of everybody on earth, how many people actually use it? And you could probably say a couple hundred million know of it. And then from there, maybe about 50 million people actually utilize it. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about 8 billion people, that's nothing. And, uh, you know, that's what I, you know, because again, you know, crypto and money and uh, the liberty to use it and the freedom to be able to use it interchangeably with no middleman is is a premier economic system we can vote like that now we can in fact there's a lot of there is a lot of attention being given to uh the whole digital vote um, but it scares the crap out of people hell it scares me in its current implementation just because it has to be done right first um that's mm-hmm. why um, the nsa realized early is that cryptology does work it's just to what degree and you know who holds the stakes so well, um, Alex, this is a great point, and uh, Ian talked about this earlier with your dad, but <clears throat> bankers, bankers, because they have the money, they have gotten the reputation of being the smartest guys in the room, and in fact, the bankers I know, they're the dumbest people I've ever met. Uh, <laughs> lawyers and bankers are two of the stupidest groups of people in the world, but yet they're the ones making the decisions now, and uh, that's why we've got to stop this role of CBDC and get back to the the understanding that we've got to build the freedom into it. We can't let these jerks take over that. Look how bad they screwed up. I mean, they could screw up a ball bearing. These people can ruin anything. I like that. I really like that. It's a it's a fractional reserve banking. That's the it's the the Ponzi. That's what's that's what's going to take the whole system down. Agreed. Agreed. So. Yeah, but the the only way to create real sound money is to to back it with something, um, you know, either you know superior technology, and use Austrian theory of you know economics or scarcity plays a role in the way that it gets issued into circulation or back it, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's not rocket science. It's, it's not good old it's, fashioned. Yeah, create money from something that people recognize as valuable. If we could create a token out of common sense, we'd all be rich. I mean, yes. that's yeah. <laughs> I know well, a lot of people you? I know wouldn't be. Yeah, I was going to say, is <laughs> common sense is uh, yeah. available or there is extremely unavailable. <laughs> it's called the low token, guys. It's available. Oh, there we go. Low token, common sense. Yeah, that's a good plug. There is, there is. <laughs> you know, Dan, yeah, if you if you allow me to to jump in with a quick plug, please. Uh, just just this last week, we were, we were all uh, re-watching the four videos on the Load.one website. And uh, it's not a coincidence. It literally looks like we're watching the TV from France, you know, and the things that are happening around the world. Three years ago, those videos were produced to get the story out. Uh, as to why the people need to start moving in another direction and moving in a direction towards, you know, sound, honest money. Um, and uh, it's, you know, for your audience, encourage everybody to just take a look at those four videos on the front page of Load.One website. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really inspiring um, because uh, we, we see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
Thumper's going to show the Load.One website, but you're absolutely right. I watched those this week because, um, you know, that was uh, that was really important to me to see how far you've how far you've gone. And you're absolutely right. Um, Nick was uh, talking with the young couple. Uh, I'm not sure. I think they were out of uh, Utah or someplace. Anyway, uh, about uh, the vision that you had for load and how that was going to be a, uh, a, a member deal, basically. It's going to be supported by the load users. It's going to be uh, supported by the people who believe in sound money. Now, I've got a friend out of uh, Colorado, uh, Kent Lewis. He has a token he calls 1776. He also uh, ha is putting together a group, uh, and he's going to be on on Tuesday. And incidentally, I'd love to invite you guys back because – we're going to be talking about the CBDC bill that they've got in the state of Montana. They're trying to get through the Montana legislature. The Senate already approved it, and they're trying to move it through the legislature, and we're trying to stop it. But um, if if we can base everything we do on the ability to make people freer rather than more controlled, then it makes sense. And that's why load is such a good deal. And uh, frankly, anything that's based on a commodity that uh, people want to be able to trade in. And gold and silver has been that commodity for a lot of years just because there's only so much salt you want. There's only so many seashells you want. And, uh, you know, we've worked through all that. And now we're down that's to the point where we understand that gold and silver are a good way to trade. If you can figure out a way to trade in them as a store of value without having to walk around with a uh, hundred pounds of silver in your pocket. Well said. Yeah, we, we'd be happy to come back if you invite us, Dan, anytime. Okay, well, yeah. I, I may do that for Tuesday because we're gonna yeah. have uh, one of our leading senators in the state of Montana, who happens to be a, a really, really good friend of mine, uh, Teresa Manzella, they've got a, a group uh, that is trying to stop this crazy bill. And uh, we're going to be talking about it on, on Tuesday with Kent Lewis. And I'd, I'd love to get this, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, and Cash, uh, that's going to be a morning program. So where you're at, you'll be talking to us at about probably about two o'clock in the morning or maybe even a little, <laughs> a little earlier. I know you're a lot of time zones away, but uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, your comments about CBDC and what you said a little bit earlier uh, about how that's a control mechanism, I'll tell you what, you could very well be the one person that could stop this from happening in the state of Montana. So. If, we if are, uh, yeah, the, what, what I was mentioning before about the CDBCs, I think it's a uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be in the industry uh, to be able to gain these insights from the people directly creating the things that we hear about in the news and, and stuff like this. Um, I've had a good lengthy conversation with the project lead uh, that's working on these CDBCs and, and the one for the BIS. 
um, and we've discussed the technology uh, and how they've set these currencies up. Um, and I can tell you guys that uh, it is very much on par with how we have designed and created uh, the assets for load AGX and AUX. Um, they were actually trying to poach me to come and come and work with them, but uh, I'm not too good with setting rules on stuff. So um, yeah, so absolutely, I'm happy to kind of uh, join join next time and 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 run run through some of these things. I think it's um, very important to be aware of what's going on. Um, these are not conspiracy theories and they're not even, they're not theories. They're not, we're not theorizing what's going on right now. This is happening. It's just happening. Mm -hmm. um, it's either we're prepared and we know how to place, place our eggs in the right places, or we just go with the flow and, and use their systems. Um, and then you can't, you can't buy that second coffee if you wanted to. So, um, mm -hmm. No problem, Dan. I'll be happy to kind of join next time and and uh, and go through some of these things. Thanks for having and, me on today as well. Also, and Dan, I'm not. I'm, thanks, Cash. Uh, Dan, I'm not sure what you're hearing out there, but we're hearing that the next big move is decaching everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Cashless society, and yeah. that's the next step in this whole process. Yeah. And incidentally, uh, Cash, you mentioned that it's in in play. Actually, it went in play last November officially uh, with the international banking system, and the Federal Reserve is officially kicking off their uh, cashless society moves and their CBDC. Um, it's going to actually happen officially in uh, June of this year. Correct. Correct. So, um, so how this is going to roll out uh, a bit of insider, insider news or what you want to call it, but how this will all roll out. Um, we are already kind of going towards, and we have been a cashless society. So this is the thing that I'm trying to explain is it is as bad as what you think. And we're already there. Um, it's not, we're planning for the future. This happened, uh, you know, it's happening now. So right now, bank branches are closing all around the world. Uh, here in Australia, um, a lot of branches are closing, uh, are closing over here. And basically how this is going to roll out is, uh, so we all do internet banking on our phones currently. Uh, you know, if you want to transfer some funds over from an account to another account, you use your mobile app. What's basically going to happen is there's going to be an upgrade. Uh, and this upgrade will prevent you from accessing your account for a 12 hour period, something like this. Um, during this time, this is when everything will be uh, reset to this new system. And we won't notice much difference. It's actually already been happening now. Um, but definitely there is a cashless society. It is, and it's only for people with. Um, this will only apply to to people with a certain amount of money. So this upgrade that's going to come, that's going to come or happen, will happen for people with, uh, for example, under a million dollars in the account. Anybody over a million or ten million in the account will use the legacy currency, where there is no rules. And this is how it will play out. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. What's going on? Um, for me personally, I don't use fiat for anything at the moment, uh, unless I have to. Uh, all of my money is in decentralized uh, 
decentralized assets and even earning decentralized interest rates on top of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're getting 10 to 15% interest rates on uh, on my stable coins right now. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely a shift that's happening. And I, and I really urge and hope everybody to look into this. This is not a young people's thing. Um, this is not, uh, it doesn't come down to a demographic. It applies to everybody. So we can't be complaining once it happens uh, mm -hmm. and saying nobody said anything because it comes down to all of our due diligence to be aware of what is happening with our money, right? If there's a rat in your store, you should know. Um, so yeah, yeah, very interesting, very interesting. Dan, Dan, yeah, yeah, just this, this, this is why, yeah, this is why I, want, I just wanted to go back and step and 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 um, ask everybody, anybody that's listening, or uh, anytime you get on a um, uh, get on a forum like this or have a chance to uh, uh, put it out there, is to is to let people know. That any bill like the one that's that's that DeSantis put in in Florida or is in, being introduced in Montana, um, even if it's just a resolution um, um, uh, condemning the use of the transition to CBDC uh, by any state entity, the best thing to do obviously would be an actual bill and not a resolution that would prevent the switchover, say, in the state of any state agency to the use of a CBDC or whatever, to uh, in as many states as possible and as quickly as possible to uh, to send a notice out there that, hey, we're not just going to roll over and, and die and let you implement this. We're going to we're going to continue to kick and fight uh, and, and cause uh, cause you obstacles in order to try and do this. And I think that that everybody in in like i said in any forum like this or anywhere needs to know that a that a bill or a resolution or anything something has to be introduced into their state legislature uh now in order to drive the direction of state agencies first of state agencies and officials and also uh, at some point, the, the merchants and others in there to deny usage of CBDCs within the, within each state. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're a good expert to talk about that because uh, you were one of the primary drivers behind the Tabor Amendment in Colorado, even though they did everything in their power to try to uh, ignore the, the fact that uh, uh, you did that. Uh, at the same time, your your comments are absolutely where it has to happen. It has to happen at the state level when states make it a point to refuse to use central bank digital currencies for transactions. Then we're going to have an honest money system because we're going to go to groups like Load or anybody that uh, is, is an open and free transaction. Right, even if they, even if people think that, that they're not gonna have a chance to, uh, to get a full bill in place, uh, uh, you know, based on the meeting schedule of the state legislature, because a lot of them are coming close to, to closing out their sessions. And that's why if it hasn't been introduced yet, um, it needs to be, it, something needs to, just a quickie resolution if they can't get, uh, get a bill through committee or anything in the time that's left in their state legislature, but something 
to, uh, to, to put some kind of stake in the ground to say, you know what, we don't like this and we're not, and, and we're not going to just roll over and, and take it. And, and so that they just roll along with their, their implementation in the state banking system, uh, uh, happy as thinking we're all happy as clams out here, because even if, even if a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't understand what the CBDCs are, what cyber currency is, what, you know, uh, what fiat is, they really don't understand the financial or money system in general. They do understand that there's that, that big change means big trouble. And, and uh, I think more and more of the average person are just becoming aware enough after what they've seen the last three years or, or so uh, at what can go wrong? Well, a lot. And I think it, the, the more they, the, the more and faster they try these, these different forms of change um, um, in the midst of others that people haven't even had time to absorb in, in, in any right. sense. And they just keep throwing this stuff down the pipe because they know that's the time to do it. And that's why they mm -hmm. keep, that's why they keep throwing these things on, on the table. But um, but to any degree that people can understand that they have to be, they have to stand up and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're not, we're not, we're not going to accept this just willy nilly. You, you, you put the brakes on here, guys. Mm -hmm. Anything like that that can take place in a state legislature through resolution or otherwise uh, would be excellent. You know, one thing about the Tabor bill is that, um, uh, you know, they're, they, they're just coming up to after it was passed in 30 years old now, it's 31 years old, passed in 92. And, you know, it has it has more popularity than it's ever had. Um, it has uh, almost uh, 60, uh, 63 or 64. Last last poll I saw it was it was hitting 63 or 64 percent approval rate, which meant not only mm -hmm. Republicans, but Democrats as well thought Tabor was an extremely good, uh, the taxpayer's bill of rights was mm -hmm. an extremely good idea for Colorado and that other, uh, other states should have paid attention on that because um, I think it's up to probably close to $40 billion saved but to, by the taxpayers of Colorado since Tabor was uh, enacted. Well, and you're absolutely right, Jeff, but the part, sad part about that is uh, Colorado went, uh, went uh, blue in a big way. And so uh, they, you know, so many of the people there can't find a bill that uh, they don't want to uh, try to fund. And uh, it's, well, it's and a, that's, if, that's, if you hadn't had taper in place, can you imagine what Colorado would be like today? Well, they would have, they would have spent another 40 billion. That's, that's mm -hmm. the, the, you can put a price tag on it because that's the amount of refunds that have been given back to the taxpayer in Colorado. They would have mm -hmm. spent 40 billion more dollars of taxpayer money on, on, on useless uh, programs and other crap that nobody needed. Right. Exactly. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Cash and Ian, I want to give you guys uh uh, a last, uh, really good shot to uh, uh, do a little bit of a plug for load. But obviously, I, I feel almost embarrassed because I started the program saying I'm not supporting any particular investment ideas. And that's true. It's not my 
job, but I like to bring information to people where they can make their own choices and make their own decisions. And uh, when I first heard about load, it hadn't been that long ago. It's only been about, uh, oh, I'm going to say six or seven months ago um, that I got involved in it, but it, it made such good sense. And one thing we've got to do, Jeff, you said this earlier, we've talked about it. We can't let the smartest guys in the room continue to uh, to manipulate this whole system because they are not the smartest guys. They're the dumbest guys. And we need to make sure that we don't let them give them, uh, don't, don't give them the steering wheel again so they can screw up the next round. Well, they just have the right degrees. <laughs> they do, yeah. And 98.6, they're barely breathing. Anyway, uh, well, Ian, uh, Dan, please. thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, hang out with you guys today. Uh, I learned a lot and uh, come to appreciate um, some things that Jeff had to say and, and yourself, Dan. And we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to, you know, present what load is really all about and why, why it um, has come to be, you know, it's been six years in the lab while working away on it. Um, the technology um, didn't exist that, that we required in order to uh, fulfill on the mandate. The bar was set so high from the very beginning, a community set the bar so high, distributed, decentralized, um, free market, uh, non-rules-based uh, monetary system, restoring solar to the monetary system was, was a significant challenge. And uh, uh, I think that the community can be proud of the fact that uh, the service providers have hung in there and uh, largely have accomplished the objectives, um, survived three crypto winters and two downturns in the silver market and uh, still going. And, um, and so looked for uh, some really cool stuff to be coming from the load organization in the next couple of quarters where the system will be largely uh, and substantially operational and uh, going to start making a lot of noise. It's been, uh, we've been, you know, the community has been quiet for a reason, uh, trying to solve some of these very complex and challenging uh, technical and infrastructure uh, challenges, but the system is largely uh, operational now. There's over 71 service providers and 31 corporate groups that uh, power the network at this time. And there are, um, you know, 14,000 users that are attached to the system now. And the, the goal is to get that to over a million in the next uh, year or so, and um, and and that's that's ambitious, but uh, achievable given the circumstances mm -hmm. and what we're seeing in the market. There's over two billion people that need access to um, uh, private and secure um, mediums of exchange. They don't uh, trust their native national currencies. Um, they're suffering from inflation. They don't have access to financial tools. It makes it difficult for them to settle trades. And as nations start to decash and take cash out of the ATM networks like Nigeria, uh, forcing people into this CBDC, um, you know, um, digital asset economy, um, the world is going, the, the, the people are freaking out. And, um, and, and load has got a solution for them. Open your wallet, uh, open your phone, 
download the wallet and start uh, using digital silver and gold in a decentralized fashion. It's here. Yeah, perfect. Cash, um, you obviously, as a as an Aussie, uh, you, you've you've seen a lot of uh, changes in the precious metals markets, and you also uh, Australia has been uh, now under the current leadership has been moving into this uh, crazy nonsense quicker than just about anybody else in the world. So uh, please, I I'd, I'd love to get your uh, your comments to kind of wrap this thing up. Yeah, I would say, uh, so in terms of what's happening here in Australia, just to quickly add on that, um, I would say the most important thing is to, and, and that's the great thing about all of this decentralized stuff and decentralized money, um, is it puts things in our hands. Uh, so now we have the option and the ability to really filter through uh, what products we use, what currencies we use. <clears throat> So um, I, would, I would really urge everybody to dig a little bit deeper. And just like how people these days, people, when they choose their foods, they look on the back of the product and they read through the ingredients. They see if it's healthy for them, if it's ethical, this type of thing. Um, I would urge people to start looking into this with their money. Um, so, for example, here in Australia, uh, with the gold, the, the mining in this industry here, uh, not long ago, they found such a large pocket of gold that would have actually uh, affected the price, the global price of gold. So what did they do? They poured concrete all over it. Mm -hmm. um, and th these are the people that have our money in their hands. This is our lives are in those people's hands, the ones that poured the concrete all over the gold. That was our gold. Um, so, yeah, I would urge people to do some digging. Uh, if you want to say, do some digging and uh, just make sure that uh, that the food or the currency that you're using is ethical. Um, and if you look into load, I, I, I would not tell people to just buy load or, you know, endorse it straight away like this. I would say do some research into what load mm -hmm. is um, and look into what we're trying to achieve here. Um, and you'll see where it fits in in the picture of this uh, geopolitical mess that we're in right now. We're positioned very well. So I think, uh, yeah, I think to wrap it up, that's uh, that's that's my piece. Well, that's a good one. And, um, and Jeff, um, I'd like to have you and Alex come back on too. If if uh, if we can do this on Tuesday, I mean, we we've got a real problem in the state of Montana because uh, we we've got this moving through the legislature, and apparently it passed by a large margin. Uh, through the Senate, and we're supposed to be a conservative state. I mean, if this is true, uh, we've got a real problem nationwide, and I think this kind of discussion about central bank digital currencies and about the whole idea of putting a UPC code on literally every single thing in the universe uh, I think this is a discussion that could make a difference worldwide if we if we oh, yeah. uh, this, get it this, out to enough people. This has yeah, this has disaster all over. I think uh, yeah. What when was what time was that Tuesday? Uh, we we do that uh, Tuesday is from uh, nine to eleven Mountain Time. 
9 to 11. Yeah, and I think Alex has yeah. Alex has uh, contract commitments uh, on, on Tuesday, but I can be available. Mm -hmm. okay. So, uh, yeah, just send me the link, and I'd, I'd be more than happy to, to participate. I think I think that as as quickly as we can get the word out, uh, the 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 better the better we can continue to be because that's that's the only thing that protects us at this point is information transfer into the best hands at the right time, and that that's what'll get us there. Nothing else. Well, so, there's no question. Our ignorance has been what's allowed this process to go as far as it has. The, oh, the is, fact that most people are not. Uh, don't know enough about it to actually say no or to fight back. That's what we're here about. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, given the fact I've been doing this since I wrote the book 10 years ago and tried to explain to you more than 10 years ago now, trying to explain to people and to get them involved and get action before it happened. You know, that was the thing is this is coming, folks. You've got to get aware. You've got to get active. You've got to get into it. And then to have it just absolutely fall flat and wait, and people wait until it smacks them right in the face. And I think at this point, most people are going to require um, uh, being drugged down into the absolute mud before they they come, uh, they get their attention. It's now, a shame. I'm sad it's to say it, but I think you're right because that's uh, that's kind of the nature of the human condition: is wait until the disaster's already happened and then try to react. And that's why what we're talking about is so important because we want to give them at least enough information that they can, uh, when they have to react, they don't react in a panic. They react with a little bit of common sense and do something that makes sense. Yep, that's, that's all we can hope for at this point. And I really, really appreciate having the opportunity to to help as much as possible and explain to people how this has been happening, will happen, and will happen in the future if we can uh, project correctly. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have to tell you, Jeff, you've done a good job with Alex. Um, and I did take his advice here. It's that? been a while back, uh, but I did take his advice on uh, Ethereum and Litecoin. I picked up a few others as well, and uh, uh, you know, at, at this point, because of the crypto winner that we've had and FTX and some of these other stupid things, uh, they they haven't shined as well as uh, I would like. But there's no question; it's a step in the right direction. Actually, I think it's uh, that's a really good point to bring up because actually FTX is a, is a perfect example of crypto actually working how it's intended. Because who was harmed by FTX? The people that put their money into it. Nobody else, unless you had it leveraged in different ways. But generally speaking, uh, you no, know, if you didn't have money in FTX, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Well, uh, thank you all for being our guests. This has been a terrific show. Uh, Ian um, and Cash, I'll be in touch with you as well. I'm going to send out an announcement uh, tomorrow about the program on Tuesday. If you would like to join us, I would love to have you come on. You don't have to. I've got guests lined up, but at the same time, this is all such a valuable discussion that I think we can maybe forestall this CBDC nightmare 
on the horizon. And if we can stop it in Montana, maybe then we can stop it nationwide. Well, uh, absolutely, Dan. Uh, we'll be there. Okay, great. Well, this is going to be a good a good tool for training, I think, anyway. Uh, we'll make sure that you get a copy of the, the whole program and you can clip what you need out of it. So Great. Okay. Thank All you. All righty. Well, well, thank Alex you. Alex and uh, Jeff and Dan, great to meet you, and thank, thank you very you. much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. Have a great thank day. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Sign off here. Thank you very much, okay. everybody. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. All Bye. right. Well, thank you all, and thank you for joining us for Connecting the Dots. We'll see you on Tuesday. From the lakes of Minnesota Across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and 